Good morning, Playbookers. I'm Kara Tabor. It's Tuesday, and President Biden is now dealing with his own documents headache. This is your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. For President Joe Biden, it was an inconvenient discovery and a potential source of major future political, if not legal, heartburn. The Justice Department is investigating how and why classified documents from Biden's time as vice president made their way from the White House to a think tank, the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement, where he used to have an office. CBS's Adriana Diaz, Andres Trier, and Arden Fari scooped the news last night, and White House Special Counsel Richard Solberg confirmed the November discovery and subsequent federal probe, noting in a statement that Biden's, quote, Personal attorneys have cooperated with the archives in the Department of Justice in a process to ensure any Obama-Biden administration records are appropriately in the possession of the archives. Needless to say, newly empowered Republicans see the circumstances here as a hell of a lot more than inconvenient. Seizing on superficial similarities between this discovery and the August search and seizure of more than 100 classified documents from President Donald Trump's home in Florida. Incoming House Oversight Chairman James Comer of Kentucky bolted out of the gate Monday, calling the situation an example of a two-tier standard at the Justice Department, amusing to reporters at the Capitol about why agents haven't yet raided Biden's homes. Comer said a letter to the National Archives and potentially a hearing will follow. Newly minted House Speaker Kevin McCarthy called the situation very concerning per CBS stating, he's had these classified documents, and what has he said about the other president with classified documents? He added, according to CNN, it just shows they were trying to be political with President Trump. And incoming House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan of Ohio seized on the timing of the discovery, telling CNN's Manu Raju they knew about this a week before the election. Maybe the American people should have known about it. Now, a cursory review of the facts reveals several obvious differences between the circumstances surrounding the Trump case and the documents found in Biden's old office. Starting with the fact that the Biden papers were, according to Sauber's account, handed over immediately and willingly to the archives after they were discovered on November 2nd. Our courts guru, Josh Gerstein, pointed out some other distinctions worth noting. One, there's simply fewer documents at stake. About 300 in the Trump case versus a small number at the think tank, per Sauber. Two, a think tank office is not a personal residence. And it's hard to argue you don't know what's lying around your house, if there's a lot of it. And three, it's not unusual for small numbers of emails or documents that are classified to get mixed in with unclassified records. Whistleblower attorney Mark Zaid, who has handled numerous national security cases, said on Twitter, this should and will be investigated. This occurs commonly and usually results in administrative rather than criminal action. Trump and team would have fared exactly the same way had he not delayed, obstructed, and potentially lied about existence of classified records at Mar-a-Lago. Big difference. Key questions that will be germane to any potential legal action remain publicly unanswered at the moment, including what exactly was in the documents and whether their removal from the White House to the Biden Center was intentional. The person seeking answers is John Lausch, the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in Chicago, who has been asked by Attorney General Merrick Garland to review the case in order to, quote, avoid any conflict of interest, per NBC. The political implications are another matter entirely, and in the opening days of the new Republican House, you couldn't have a more striking reminder of why the majority, 
and the ability that comes with the to ask questions, drive a narrative, and otherwise keep a story in the news matters. After the chaos of last week's Speaker Derby, House Republicans finally got down to business Monday, passing their 55-page rules package without too much drama. Only one in their ranks, Representative Tony Gonzalez of Texas, joined Democrats in opposing the package. Our Sarah Ferris, Olivia Beavers, and Catherine Tully McManus write that the moment proved McCarthy was capable of holding his divided conference together as Republicans worked to adopt a resolution that would govern how the House operates for the next two years. Provisions in the rules package, they noted, became key bargaining chips as McCarthy worked to flip his conservative opponents last week. You've already read plenty in Playbook about the one-member motion to vacate, but KTM has an interesting guide to some of the other notable changes, including ending the Gephardt rule on the debt limit, bringing back the Holman rule on appropriations, and forcing every committee to detail its oversight plans. They will also hamper the Office of Congressional Ethics. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House. At 11.30 a.m. Eastern, the president will have a bilateral meeting with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in Mexico City. At 12.45 p.m., Biden, Trudeau, and Mexican President Andreas Manuel López Obrador will take a family photo at the National Palace, followed by the 10th North American Leaders Summit at 2.30 p.m. At 4.45 p.m., the three leaders will deliver statements. And at 5.55 p.m., the Bidens will depart and head home, arriving back at the White House at 10.20 p.m. Vice President Kamala Harris has nothing on her public schedule. The House will meet at 9 a.m., and the Senate is out. For more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Kara Tabor. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning.